Hey, good morning, my friends. It is uh, good to be with you all this morning. My name is Sujit Jacob. My wife, Cheryl, and our three kiddos, we moved to Mumbai uh, late December of 2019. And we actually moved from Oklahoma City and we moved here in response to God's call to be a part of the work that he's doing here in the city. Now, although we pretty much transitioned into, a, a, into the beginning of a global pandemic, we're still so grateful that the Lord would allow us to be a small part of what God is doing here in this beautiful city. Now, I've only known Pastor Shannon for a very short amount of time. However, my family has felt a, a strong sense of camaraderie with him and uh, Anaya. When we, when we first met, it really felt like one of those God-joined friendships that feels like a part of a grander narrative that is that is not fully visible to us yet. Now from, from Pastor Shannon, I have heard so much about the Utsav community and he has actually uh, painted a very encouraging picture of all of you and, and I, I, I can't wait to see you all in person. So although I would much rather meet in person and do this face to face, I'm still grateful this morning for the common grace of God that, that meets us through technology like Zoom that makes this virtual space possible. Now, you know, when I, when I think of the last uh, year or so, when I think of, uh, of our transition, it's been a pretty wild thing to experience our first ever lockdown within just the first few months of our transition into the city. Now, I don't know what your experience of 2020 has been, but I think that the, the novelty of the first uh, few weeks of lockdown and, and the kind of positive spins that people were trying to give it started to fade out maybe about two to three months in. And if you're really honest for many of us, it has this last one year has been nothing short of a major life adjustment, right? And just when we thought that the worst of it was finally over, here we are experiencing the second wave of COVID. And just this past month alone, there were so many grim reports of death and lack of hospital supplies and lack of hospital spaces and medication and, and all kinds of devastation and suffering that has been unfolding all around us. It feels like, it feels like the last one month, we've had like a, like a courtside seat to so much suffering that's going on around the world. And I think it's fair to say that there's a, there's a palpable anxiety that many of us are feeling even as we face this kind of a season together. And over time, when you live in this kind of space, there is an emotional and spiritual exhaustion that starts to catch up. You find yourself having more questions than answers. How do we start to make sense of this moment that we collectively share? How do, we, how do we even pray in a season like this? Are we even allowed to be honest about the anxiety and grief that we are feeling in our heart? Or do we, or do we just look away from everything that's going around us and do we just respond with religious platitudes? Does the Bible give us any helpful handles to navigate a season like this? Friends, if, if these, these questions give voice to some of the yearnings that you feel in your own heart, I want to encourage you. I want to tell you to take heart because we are not the first ones in history to walk through a period of uncertainty, suffering, and disruption. In fact, the Bible does give us 
some really helpful handles on how to approach a season like this and how to engage with God in, in a season of suffering and grief. So today for our, 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 the rest of our time together, I want us to spend some time exploring the theme of lament as a biblical category to express our grief before God and to experience God's comfort in a season of pain and suffering. Lament. Man, such a pleasant and light topic, right? To preach on a Sunday morning. You're welcome, Utsav Church. Now, although I, I made I light of it, if you're honest with ourselves this morning, we do acknowledge that it is a heavy topic. And it doesn't take us long in our shared experience of life before we realize that there is this common desire in all of us to avoid pain and to avoid grief. We just don't like pain and grief. We don't want to experience it. We don't want to talk about it. And when we experience it, we just want to quickly move on from it as fast as possible. Now, although this is how you and I approach pain and grief, this is how we often respond to pain and grief. Much of the Bible actually talks about how God meets us in these places of pain and grief. The Bible actually gives us lament as our right response to pain and to grief. Because it is in lament that we pour out our feelings to God and we do so without editing or fil filtering through it. In lament, God invites us to feel our pain and grief. And in lament, God invites us to express our pain and grief towards the Lord. As, as followers of Jesus, lament helps you and I to embrace our humanness. And it, it helps us to really take an honest inventory of life in a broken world. And I think most importantly, it reminds us that following Jesus is, is not just some kind of an intellectual exercise. It's not just an intellectual decision or ascent or, or, a, or an intellectual, intellectual ascent to, to a set of propositional truths, but that God is really interested in the life of our hearts. He wants us to relate to him feelingly and honestly, and he meets us with his comfort when we do this. So with this frame in mind, we are jumping into the book of Lamentations today. Now, there is not complete scholastic consensus around the authorship of the book of Lamentations. Some say that it is Jeremiah that wrote this book, while there are other Bible scholars who disagree. But here is my hope for us this morning. My hope for us today is that as we dive into this book, as we look at the passage today, the Holy Spirit of God would use our time in this passage to help us know our own hearts a little better so that we can, we can really and honestly consider what it looks like to invite God into our pain and what it looks like to trust God with our pain in a season like this. Now, friends, before we wade any further into this book, I want to pause and acknowledge something. It's not lost on me that for many of you listening in today, lament and grief is not just some kind of abstract theological construct. Some of you are in the very throes of it. Look, all of us have been in different levels affected by the disruption and disorientation that the pandemic has left us with. For some, it would have come in the form of maybe deferred plans and dreams that you had for this time. For, for others, it may have taken the form of maybe lost opportunities. 
and for yet some others you may you may even have had to struggle with the sadness of letting go of a loved one this season or maybe you have had to deal with the pain of sitting with a friend who has to, who has had to let go of a loved one this season so what we really need today is not just more information in our head about lament but you and i we desperately need to meet with the god who will hold our hearts in his comfort and who will hold our hands even as we look at this topic so would you pause with me and join in as we pray for our time together father we pray that you would meet with us lord we we don't we don't want to be people with big heads and small hearts would you come and and meet us in our hearts lord god even as we look at this topic i pray that you will a uh, spirit of god i pray that you would bridge the virtual gap between me and my friends listening in lord we love you help us to love you more help us to trust in you more open open scriptures to us lord spirit of god would you give us the gift of illumination to understand lord god your word and to submit to your word this morning in christ name we pray now for those of you uh, who like to or who have the who are in the habit of taking notes there are at least three movements that we see in this passage if you if you are if you're taking notes here are those three move, movements we see the establishing of honesty in lament and we see the embracing of the gift of lament and we see the experience of god's comfort in lament establishing of honesty in lament friends as i was preparing for the sermon i i i remembered i i was quickly reminded why i have avoided preaching from this book of the bible this long because you see the level of honesty in in this book in the book of lamentation makes me quite uncomfortable and see i don't think that i'm alone in feeling this the book of lamentation is is quite a heavy book before before reading the the passage but before diving into the passage i want to set a little bit of context for us which i think would be helpful for us this morning picture the context of this book with me the author of lamentations is actually walking through the desecrated rubbles of a city marauded and plundered by babylonian invaders israel kept on breaking the covenant of god breeding a kind of over familiarity with the holy things of god and they they acted out a lie that many attempted to drift towards they acted as if there was no consequence to a repeated sinning against god and over the years they they kind of got so inoculated to the idea of god's judgment but in 587 bc judgment came rolling down all stops were pulled and babylon a wicked and violent nation was allowed to plunder and decimate israel god's own people there was utter devastation as far as the eye could see dead bodies strewn in the streets women and children taken captive as slaves the bodies of the royal family lay mutilated in the streets the last thing that the the, king, the then king of israel was forced to watch was the murder of his own sons before his eyes were gouged out of their sockets you could smell hopelessness despair and death in the air and it is in this context that we see the honest cries of the poet or of the poet the lamenter the author of lamentations friends notice what he doesn't pray 
He doesn't say, God, I know that you sovereignly led us into the situation. You are somehow working all things together for our good. We receive this situation as a gift from you. Nor does he say, God, I know that you have brought us out here to strip us off of everything else. I know that you're using the season of suffering to test our faith in, and then we will come out purified like gold on the other side. So thank you. How about this? God, I know you love me and you have a wonderful plan for my life. Now, don't get me wrong. All of those things are true biblical things to pray. But that's not what the lamenter is praying here. So what does his prayer actually sound like? His prayer sounds more like this. What have you done to us, Lord? Remember me, God. I cannot hold on any longer. I'm sinking. I can hardly breathe. He throws all caution to wind in the way that he honestly expresses his heart's cry before God. He's definitely not, not trying to impress God. He's not trying to put his best religious foot forward in prayer. There's a kind of raw, rawness and a, a kind of messiness that makes this moment so painfully real. In fact, this is the kind of prayer that would, that would even make some of us nervous. And we avoid reading the book of Lamentations. It almost sounds sacrilegious. Are we even allowed to pray with this kind of honesty? Isn't this like accusing God? Church, listen to these words of, of the lamenter, these words of prayer of the lamenter in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 10 through 19. He is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for his arrow. He drove into my kidneys the arrow of his quiver. I have become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me coward in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy is net. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. In his exhaustion, this brother falls forward in honest prayer into the arms of God. Friends, why don't we pray like this? It's not like we don't have suffering in our lives Maybe not to the extent of what this man is going through, but I think we can all agree that if there ever was a season to pray this kind of honest prayer, it is now. Now, let me be the first one to confess this. My prayers, my prayers rarely look this honest. I think at least part of it is, at least one thing that I'm learning in this season is that part of this is because I don't know how to lament well. Now, I know that this may be true for many of us in this space today. If anything, some of us may be inclined to avoid lament altogether. So why do we, why do we tend to avoid prayers of lament? And I think at least part of the reason is that there is a real absence of lament in our culture today. Lament or grief is not something that people in this cultural moment know how to do well, or, or nor are they comfortable with it. Even, even in the church, we often struggle to deal with our pain, our anxiety, and our suffering. 
I mean, we have a lot of thoughts about lament. We talk about it, we read about it, we vent about it, but rarely do we prayerfully lament and process our pain in an honest and healthy way with God. And I think parts of I think I think part of it, as I said earlier, is because we live in times where the main goal of life that everybody is pursuing, the main goal of life that is marketed to us is this idea of avoiding pain. We are almost culturally neutered to silence our pain. We are almost programmed to silence our pain. But friends, look, the, you don't, we don't have to look too far. This, this idea of uh, avoiding pain and suffering is, is, is quite a modern idea. And you don't, you don't even have to look too far to see that. Just think of the nursery rhymes that many of us grew up with or, 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 our, or our kids sing. Think of Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and resources could not put the unfixably broken Humpty Dumpty back together. How about Ring Around the Rosie? How many, how many of you know that that nursery rhyme is actually talking about the black plague, the bubonic plague that, that, that wiped out so many in, the, in Europe about 200 years ago? How about stories like Red Riding Hood and the, and the, and the, and the wolves and, and Hansel and Gretel? You see, pain, in all of these, pain, danger, and suffering was accepted as a normal part of the human experience. In, in many ways, these rhymes and these stories were actually, were actually meant to prepare children for real life in the real world. But did you know that in the last 20 years or so, there are now many voices asking to uh, tone, down, tone down the danger and suffering in these stories. There are many voices asking to replace the villain characters in these children's stories with more, more palpable, more, more, sorry, more palatable versions of villainy. You see, we want to offer a more sterilized version of the world to our young ones. We are teaching them to look away from pain as a reality in a broken world. There's this growing unacceptability to the idea of pain. And it's not just with children. We, we do the same thing as adults. As adults, we do all sorts of things to actually avoid the reality of pain. Here are two popular ways that in which, by which we try to deal with the reality of pain in our culture. We numb our pain and we dismiss our pain. We numb our pain. This is, this is perhaps a more, more popular strategy. Instead of allowing ourselves to feel what we are feeling, we numb out our pain in a million different ways. Are you hurting? How about some takeout for dinner? Maybe let Swiggy take our hurts away. Is life hard? Have you tried numbing your mind with endless entertainment? You have Netflix and TikTok and Prime Video just waiting to help you to be endlessly distracted. Or, or maybe for some of us, some of us, it may be just loading and offloading, loading, I mean, maybe loading and deleting our virtual shopping carts on Mintra and Amazon to help us be distracted from the reality of pain and suffering. Friends, look, I'm not against good food, entertainment, or a great sale. They're not bad in themselves. I actually enjoy them as much as the next person. Maybe I enjoy them a little too much. But if they're used as tools to numb ourselves from acknowledging the, the reality of grief and pain, it's, it's just not helpful to us. You see, our obsession to not ever feel pain leads us to all kinds of unhealthy coping mechanisms. Listen to how 
the author Pete Scazzaro puts it in his book. And I, I want to quote him. In culture, addiction has become the most common way to deal with pain. We watch television incessantly. We keep busy running from one activity to another. We work 70 hours a week, indulge in entertainment, overeat, drink, take pills, anything to help us avoid the pain. Some of us demand someone or something to take our loneliness away. Sadly, the result of denying and minimizing our wounds over many years is that we have become less and less human. Empty Christian shells with painted smiley faces. For some, a dull, low-level depression descends upon us, making us nearly unresponsive to all reality. And I love this last part. There is no greater disaster in spiritual life than to be immersed in unreality. In fact, the true spiritual life is not an escape from reality, but an absolute commitment to it. Don't you find Scazzaro's words so compelling in this cultural moment that you and I share together? Now, in addition to numbing, we also tend to dismiss our pain and suffering. How do we do that? This is really important for us to consider. You see, because we have become so good at numbing our own pain, we now have no capacity to properly handle the pain of other people. We don't see pain as something to deal with. Rather, we approach it as something to just get over as quickly as possible. Think of it, even among followers of Jesus, there may be a real temptation to dismiss the grief and pain of another with religious platitudes. Like for example, in the, in the face of the pain of death, we, we sometimes don't know what to say. We may be quick to say things like, oh, they're in a better place, or he's now an angel watching over us. Now I get why we do it. We are, we are consoling ourselves in hope. But we forget that even in heaven, there are followers of Jesus who are praying prayers in lament. You don't have to take my word for it. Look at, look at the passage from the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Now they're not crying now, they're not crying without hope in heaven. But let that sink in for a minute. Even in heaven, we see prayers of lament being prayed. Friends, look, here's what this means for us today. As we drive around in the city and, and as we see empty school, schools and playgrounds, when we drive past police checkpoints all around the city, as we hear the sirens of ambulances from our apartments, as, as we see the, the places that we used to frequent shut down this season, Godward grief and lament is a very appropriate response to all of it. God invites us to bring, bring our hearts, bring our lament. Lament is the right response when we see these things. God invites us to bring prayers of lament before him. Church, can I be so bold as to say that maybe for some of us, a repressed or unaddressed grief in the last one year may have even turned to anger. So if you find yourself a deeply angry person, 
normally you are you are more of an even keel person if you find yourself this season to be a deeply angry person and you're not sure where all of this anger is coming from it could be that you are numbing or dismissing pain and sorrow friends biblical lament gives us the gift of a deeper and a realer experience of god's nearness even through the messiness of your unresolved pain Now, friends when i say all of these when i talk about numbing and when i talk about dismissing this season i have found myself repeatedly doing those two things this i've i've found myself going through all kinds of unhealthy responses to my own grief and my own pain and i'm i'm learning i'm learning to bring my disappointments before god i'm learning to i'm learning to write my own prayers of lament before god and i'm learning to i'm experiencing god's comfort even as i am taking baby steps towards that honest lament is necessary and it allows us to feel god's nearness even in the midst of our sadness friends listen god in his sovereignty has allowed the book of lamentations to be in the bible the brutally honest words of the lamenter actually gives you and me permission to feel and it gives us permission not only to feel but to express candidly to god in prayer the pain and distress that we carry in a season like this you see the lamenter is neither numbing his pain nor is he dismissing it he directs his pain godward in prayer and engages with god establishing honesty in lament now it's interesting to me that in the next few verses we see a glimmer of hope that is displayed in the language of the lamenter this is where we start to see the 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 kind the picture of the 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 gift that this kind of honest lament can hold look at verse 21 through 24 but this i call to mind and therefore i have hope the steadfast love of the lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end they are new every morning great is your faithfulness the lord is my portion says my soul therefore i will hope in him this brings us to our second point embracing the gift of lament it almost seems like the lamenter has turned a corner here although when we read the entire book of lamentations we know that that's not true but friends do you see it here even in the midst of a midst of this dark night of the soul the his honest prayers of lament create space within the lamenter's heart to remember what he knows to be true of god church think about it what is it that really allows you and i to experience true transformation it's not just more information about god now there is a context for defending our faith and 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 learning and all of those things i'm not denying any of those things but here's here's what is true Christ, following jesus is not just about amassing more knowledge about god because if 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 more information would translate into transformation then then we are living in the age of information like in a click of a button you and i have access to more information about god than all of the previous generations combined together but that's not that doesn't necessarily mean that it is translating to trans more transformed lives in this generation because because the goal of invitation or the goal and sorry the goal and the invitation of christian life is actually a deep transformation 
through a relationship with the living God. And it's lament that actually gives us the gift of emotional honesty to experience this kind of relational depth with God. Consider the words of the theologian, the English writer and theologian C.S. Lewis. He says this, we must lay before him what is in us, not what, not what ought to be in us. I'll say that again. C.S. Lewis says, we must lay before God what is in us, not what ought to be in us. What Lewis is saying here is very simple. He's saying that oftentimes some of the, some of the greatest barriers to our prayer life is that we have this tacit assumption that certain parts of our life or emotions are off limits to God in prayer. Or even worse, we don't want to bring it to God because what if he does not meet us there? The book of Lamentation is a reminder that we can bring not just the, the good put together parts of our hearts and our stories, but even the messy parts of our lives can be brought before God. Because here is the reality. If we are not honest with God in prayer, we will never be honest with each other in community. We would always keep, we would always keep projecting the best parts of our stories to other people. The only way that we can, we can truly experience the depth of gospel community like it's meant to be is if we learn to bring all parts of our heart before God in prayer. So what does it mean for us today? Are you angry or disappointed this season? What would it look like to start having an honest conversation with God about that? Are you maybe depressed and overwhelmed with anxiety this season? What if you see that as an invitation from God to come and experience his comfort? What if you see that anxiety as, as God's invitation to come to you, come to him and experience his nearness? Are you inflamed with, with lust or bitterness? What, what, what would it look like to, to tell him that, to be honest with him? Friends, it's a mercy of God that leads our hearts to repentance. God actually loves the real version of you. Not the, not the false version that you and I so often try to prop up before God and impress him. It may work with people, but it doesn't work with God. Finally, this passage points us to a greater reality that should give all of us much hope and joy. The experience of God's comfort in lament. For those who belong to for those who belong to God, not only is lament an invitation to honesty, but it's also an invitation to experience the real comfort of God. Here's what I mean by that. Lament not only keeps our pain and sorrow before God, but it draws God into our pain. Because you see, when we lament in prayer, we do so with the longing that God should act. And we do so with the faith that God would ultimately act. So here in our passage, in the middle of unconsolable sorrow, in the middle of a hopelessly desperate situation, when the entire nation of Israel is left ravaged and burning, the lamenter cries out to God in anguish. Now, what is not completely known to the lamenter in this book is that later on, God actually responds to the lament of his people. Instead of judgment, God again pulls all stops and mercy comes rolling down. At the greatest cost to him, God responds to the, the pain of his people by sending his only son, Jesus Christ. Jesus enters time and space and the brokenness of this world to be near to those who mourn. Jesus laments with those who lament. In a, in a prophetic word about Jesus, 
This is how the prophet Isaiah, 720 years before the birth of Jesus, describes, describes our Lord. Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their face, faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. The author of Hebrews says, for this reason, Jesus had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every way so he could be their merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. Then Jesus could die in their place to take away their sins. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. You see, our passage in Lamentation today talks about the steadfast love and the unceasing mercies of God. Friends, in Christ, the steadfast love of God never ceases. In Christ, God's mercies never come to an end. Jesus felt our deepest pains. He identifies with our sting of rejection. He has experienced the tragedy of abandonment. The wounded victor carried our sorrows to the tomb. And you know why this is great news for us today? Because here is the reality. When relationships go bad, when feelings of failures come knocking at the door of our heart, when we feel like everyone and everything and life itself is passing us by, when we feel the maybe the sting of betrayal, or when we try to do everything we know to be right and still things refuse to add up, when we start to see so much suffering around us, in those painful moments, in those moments of anxiety, right there with us is Jesus, our friend, our brother, and our king. And he knows firsthand what such testing feels like. Even in your deepest sorrows, church, listen to this. He won't dismiss you, nor will he avoid you. He will grieve with you and hold your heart in those nail pierced hands because he's for you. Now, not only has our wounded healer suffered and died in our place, but he rose again from the dead to eternally intercede for you and me from the right hand side of the father. Can you, can you picture this for a second? When you bring your messy prayers of lament before God, think of this. Jesus is praying for you from the right hand side of the Father. Louder than any words, any, any human being can say, Jesus Christ, the perfect son of God, is praying on our behalf, on behalf of our lamenting heart before the Father. Finally, because of Christ's death and resurrection, there's a day that you and I can look forward to when all things sad will come undone. Pain and suffering and sorrow would not even be a distant memory. Every tear wiped away when we will be finally saved from the very presence of sin. The, the vilest of brokenness, the most, the most uh, appalling thing that you see today that seems so unrestorable would be made right. There's a hope that you and I have been given to look forward to. So friends, as we conclude today, Christ sees you. He's willing to carry your sorrows. You and I, we no longer need to numb or dismiss our pain. Christ invites us to experience his comfort through his spirit. Now, it's interesting to me that it almost appears like God is silent in the entire book of Lamentations. But I believe that even this seeming silence is divinely inspired so that there is space to establish honesty in lament, that you and I can embrace the gift of lament and experience the real and present comfort of God in our honest lament. Friends, listen, as those who have experienced 
this kind of comfort from God in our grief, you and I, our hearts will experience the strength of God so that we can now move in meaningful ways towards others who grieve amongst us. You can never give away something that you don't have. If we, if we have not experienced God's comfort in this kind of honest lament before God, we can never give that away to others. We can never be that kind of comforting presence in the life of other people. Now, there is a kind of grief that some of us may be experiencing this season that, that may need the care and support of a professional. If that's where you are, I want to encourage you. I hope you know that you don't have to do that alone. You don't have to carry that weight alone. There is an entire community of people willing to help and serve you. Reach out to the leadership in your community. Jesus, the man of sorrows, the one acquainted with grief is still moving towards you in the support and care that you would receive from his church, from his bride. Friends, I want to close by leaving you with a question to collectively reflect on this week. As you take an honest look at your own heart, what might the spirit be calling you to lament or grieve today? Let me say that again. As you take an honest inventory this week, as you take an honest look at your own heart, what might the Holy Spirit be calling you to lament or grieve today? Is it anger or is it rage? Is it a, a sense of disillusionment and meaninglessness this season? Is it maybe, maybe frustrations of unanswered prayers? For some of you, it might be a, a call to take a small step towards acknowledging the wounded parts of your own story. Would you bring these things to God? Honestly, for some of us, it may even start with, it may, it may even start by just telling God that you struggle to believe that he will meet you there. And when you do that, please remember that you don't have to impress God. You can be honest. Please remember that you are standing on the faith of Jesus Christ. God is pleased with your honest prayers. For some of you, this may even take the form of maybe praying with a friend this week or maybe writing your own psalm of lament, your own prayer of lament before God. Friends, look, no matter what form it takes, remember the invitation to lament in prayer is not a place to be good. It's not a place to impress God. It is a, it's a place to be honest. It's a place to create space in your own heart to receive the real comfort that God promises. The spirit of the living God meets us in our honest laments. Let's pray. Father, even this week, as we respond to your word, would you hold our hearts? Would you help us to find our sorrows and our grief and our pain this season being carried on the able shoulders of Jesus? Would you be with my friends, Lord God? Spirit of God, would you minister to us? Would you bring to bear the comfort of Christ, the nearness of Christ to our hearts? Would you help us, Lord God? Would you hold our hearts? Would you help us to help us to be honest before God? We love you. We trust in you. Would you shape our hearts through your word? We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you.